Look at my butt. Show number 253 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Well, listeners, it's time for another birthday present. Doesn't it seem like we're doing presents all the time? We should just, it should be like hobbits. We should just be doing presents all the time, every day. Well, you know, who deserves them more? It's, you are 100% right about that. I agree. So, yep, presents. We deserve lots of presents. Speaking of hobbits, though, when I listened to the last show, I was laughing so hard all over again over the idea of career day in Middle Earth. I was, too, because I had forgotten that we had that discussion. And And then it got totally out of hand. It was a great, great, great idea. I still think about it. I, I still think it would be a fun thing to do. Okay, so on to presents. This is my birthday present, which I had totally forgotten about <laughs> because you gave it to me when I was out there for yeah. Comic-Con. Yes, months ago. And it's, you know, wrapped in Christmas present paper of <laughs> happy snowmen and snowflakes. Yeah, well, it was all I had. Um, so this was a <laughs> present that um, I saw this even more months before you got here and I just went that's great so I'm (laughs) gonna do this and I got it and um I I was hoarding it for that whole time so this is uh, a customized present for you and (gasps) and it's useful and I think you'll like it okay so I'm opening it you can hear paper paper. ripping what is it oh oh it's it's then in a UPS envelope Mm -hmm. and it says good things come in orange packages and I might (laughs) argue that but let's see what's in this orange package okay oh good heavens not that adept at ripping the cardboard apparently okay i'm pulling something out of here oh my god oh these are the most awesome coasters ever and if anybody ever sets a drink on them they will feel the wrath of Khan. Yeah, so that's, that, that was my first. I was like, oh, useful. And then I thought, oh, but you could never, ever put a drink on them because they're too nice. No, no. But, you know, I could, um, I could frame them. You could. Or you could, you could probably put some um, plastic contact paper on it or something to protect them. So just to explain, these are coasters that you can custom make. I think I got them from Shutterfly or something. Yeah, the, and, the, the box said, sh- or the package says Shutterfly. Yeah. So you can just go and upload any pictures that you want to. They don't seem to have any kind of copyright restrictions. I was really afraid <laughs> that they wouldn't do it because they're not pictures like I took myself. Oh. And I selected the four best pictures of Kirk that I thought you would like to see. Some lovely Kirk light going on there and him with a really nice grin on his face. And I just just thought these are so happy you know and the, the quality is so amazing i mean you looked at them right yeah oh yeah oh i mean the quality of this is just oh my goodness well i'm gonna take pictures of them and we can post them but and you've got the rippetest shirt ever in there yep that had to be one yeah. oh wow wow thank you so much <laughs> So maybe maybe another media conquered. Oh yeah, coasters. coasters. Absolutely. Yeah, coasters. Oh, that's so wonderful. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking? I have these little tiny magnets and I'm thinking I could, you know, like glue one to the back of yeah. each of these 
and I could put them up, you know, on my bookshelf that serves as a desk. That's mm-hmm. a metal frame. Oh, that would be good. Then he could be watching you there while you work as well as, you know, salt and pepper Kirk. <laughs> yeah. Well, salt and pepper Kirk's on the other side of the room now. So yeah, I'm so proud of my quirkiness. This is so good. Oh, I'm so glad you like them. I was really pleased with the way they came out because you never know with these places where you mail away, like it could be shit and you just wouldn't know until it showed up. The, the, I, I just cannot get over the quality on this. Wow, those photographs are good Good choices, first of all. But, oh, my goodness, so, so beautiful. Yeah, I think I like the one with um, that's the close-up of him with the Kirk light the best. That one is just, it's such a moody shot, and he looks Oh, it good. really is. It really is, yeah. Boy, it's hard to pick a favorite, though, you know? <laughs> Jeez. Ooh. Love it, love it, love it. Oh, yay. I'm well. Happy birthday. Thank I'm, I'm you. I'm so glad you liked it. What a wonderful creative idea. <laughs> oh, well, this is great. <sighs> see, see, presents. We should always be doing presents because presents are Every so show good. should open with a present. It should. <laughs> you hear that, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> Send us shit. Send us presents. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Speaking of Bill. Yeah. Oh, Bill. Bill's in the news. Still Bill's in the stuff. news. But first, we're going to cover one little thing. Um, when I got up this morning and I was getting ready, I turned on the TV and, you know, it's Saturday. Reruns of Boston Legal. And um, I know you didn't watch it the way I did, but there are certain episodes I remember very clearly. And they were showing the one where it's a fairly early episode because Shirley isn't even in them yet. But mm. um, some probably unhappy client, I you know, came in in the last 10 minutes or so, has come to the office and is holding Alan Shore at gunpoint. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. Okay. okay. And everybody's hiding in their offices and Denny's in his office and two of the female associates are with him. And for reasons maybe explained, maybe not, he has a rifle that he keeps in his office. <laughs> yes, I remember Under his that. desk, in his closet, whatever. Yeah. And he says, okay, when I say pull, you open the door. And they're going, no, we can't do that. You know, and everything. He's like, nope. He sits down in his chair. He gets in position, everything. Pull. And they open the door and bam, and he takes the guy down. He doesn't kill him, but, you know, crisis mm-hmm. over. And the best part then is... He slowly, not slow motion, but just walking slowly, struts out of his office, (laughs) so pleased with himself. And I thought, oh, this could only be better if they played the has-been music. Uh. (laughs) You know, they wouldn't even have to play the the spoken word or the background Uh singers. Just that hook Mm -hmm. has such a Western thing going on, you know? So that was a great way to start the day. I completely agree that I I had forgotten about that until you said it. And that was such a good scene and it was so good for that character Mm -hmm. and, and Bill played it, I think exactly right. Well, and the thing is every now and then I do catch some Boston legal and reruns, whatever. And every time I am struck once again, by what incredible and solid character work Bill did all through that series. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just, yep. Just, you know, doing his job and being great at it. Yeah, doing his job and bringing something new. Imagine, you know, how many takes they did and how he did it slightly differently every time. That would be something to see 
you know, what ended up on the cutting room floor just because Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with the take, but that's just not the choice the editor made. It would be really Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, that's good. How nice to see that. I I should check to see if Boston Legal is on because I'd like to see some of those again. They were yeah. Good. They were very good. Cool. Well, thanks for that. Well, uh, thank you, TV, for once <laughs> bringing joy to me. <laughs> Speaking of Bill. Yes. Bill Bill is a busy, busy man. Oh um, my God, he's in the news so much. Thank goodness. He's, he's doing everything. Uh. What he's doing right now is he's representing a uh, solar-powered Bitcoin company. And all I could think about as I was reading these articles was that he has no idea what this is, right? Like, well, even like a year ago or so, wasn't he saying that's you know woo-woo or something? Yeah, he was. There's a quote from him. So here's an article from um, your very own Chicago Tribune. Uh, saying Captain Kirk might be able to discuss the properties of dilithium crystals and give direction to give directions to Rigel 12, but don't ask him to explain Bitcoin. And this is what Bill says. The concept is so, I guess the word is bizarre. You have to blank your mind and say, what is blockchain again? How does mining operate again? <laughs> the concepts are really strange. And yet, when you begin to grasp it, it makes sense. Now, I think For he's maybe lying. all of three seconds, but go <laughs> For ahead. three seconds. It doesn't make any sense to him. So um, I am just astonished that he's gotten himself involved in Bitcoin. And um, we won't take the time to explain about Bitcoin. But, you know, it's basically unregulated currency that fluctuates between um, being worth two cents per Bitcoin unit to being worth, you know, seven thousand dollars per bitcoin (laughs) for no particular reason and it just goes up and down and people have made and lost millions and millions of dollars on it so not exactly what you'd call um a a safe investment i would say yeah um but for speculators so here here's bill uh is the spokesperson for solar alliance a Van- vancouver so it's a canadian company uh it's a developer of alternative alternative energy projects announced plans to build a solar powered bitcoin mining operation in an abandoned south southern illinois factory so it's a vancouver developer mm-hmm. who's gonna buy an abandoned u.s factory and use it as a solar powered bitcoin mining place um, Rap- did you see how he got involved with this? No, what, how? It says near the end, Shatner, who got involved with Solar Alliance after it installed the solar panels on his California oh. home. <laughs> so he liked the guys who did the solar installation and somehow they talked him into being a spokesperson for this. Well, yes. <laughs> but he says he's in Chicago a lot. Uh, have you seen him? Why hasn't he been no. hanging out with you? I don't know <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, that's a problem I just hope right there. He has not put money into this. Yeah, me too. You know, if spokesperson, you know, is one thing like, you know, Priceline and stuff. But I'm, I'm thinking Bill is money smart enough not to be putting his money into anything. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I, I would think so. Um, so to continue the paragraph you were just reading, uh, Bill says he might check out the mining operation in person once it's operational, he says. I might very well do that. It's an interesting idea to see it work because dot, dot, dot. It's so esoteric that it's difficult to understand. What a great spokesperson. <laughs> <laughs> So this is, you know, they've explained it to him, I don't know, eight or nine times, and he still doesn't get it. So this is the best that he can come up with when, you know, called upon for a quote. 
it's it's difficult to explain it. It's really esoteric, but it's a good idea. Trust me. <laughs> I really hope they do some commercials. Oh, where he says that? That's that's his pull quote, right? <laughs> it's total woo woo, but you know, you might like it. Yeah, when you when you grasp it, it begins to make sense, kind of. Sort of. <laughs> oh boy. All right, so that's what Bill's doing there. Um, so when he's not doing that, he's doing other things. Like he's appearing at shore leave of all places. That so freaks me out because, you know, the, the back in the day when I was going to the shore leave, it was a wonderful con because it wasn't run by creation. Mm-hmm. And um, they took over, you know, a whole hotel, um, which had the worst um, – air conditioning, heating system right, in right. the world. But, you know, it was completely fan run. They had no money. They never could get big names. Mm-hmm. The whole thing was about fan panels. Yeah. And, of course, a lot of the stuff that happened on the fan panels was about fanfic and shipping and, and all that other kind of stuff. Yes. Which, you know, the, the industries wanted to stay very, very far away from. And I think most of the actors did, too, because, you know, that they don't want to get involved in that stuff. That's not good for them. Yeah. But Bill is going to shore leave. Yeah, it's crazy. And they got a lot of other stars to show up, too. They have uh, Ming-Na Wen, who's from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and other um, people from Deep Space Nine and people from Stargate. You know, like, uh, that's quite a roster, so different from what it used to be. Amazing. Right. Um, I'm wondering, does shore leave now have some backing? Is it no longer fan-run? I don't know. It says in this article, so this is an article from the York Daily Record, mm-hmm. which is quite good, actually. It focuses on some local people who uh, go there a lot, and mm-hmm. um, it gives a very nice overview from a fan's point of view, and it says um, it's what started as a fan-run Star Trek-only single afternoon gathering in 1979 has blossomed into one of the most successful non-corporate conventions. Wow, Okay. So, it's run by the Star Trek Association of uh, Towson, which is a town where there's a college. Mm-hmm. Um, it expanded beyond the Star Trek universe when demand called for it in the 1990s, and it's continued to grow. Uh, it's three days, but apparently it's still run by fans. It's not run by any corporation or, or you know, official organization. So that's awesome that they've continued to do that. Very cool. Well, that really is. And... I'm just wondering how they got these names, and especially Bill. Bill is the biggest name of all for a con. Yeah, exactly. One of the fans they interviewed in this article said, um, let's see, we resent the implication that we'll never have girlfriends or get out of our parents' basements. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, just to address the common perception of fans. And then he says, the tide has turned, as has Shatner's willingness to appear at such conventions. The perception has been helped in part by shows like Big Bang Theory that have normalized the lifestyle. And he says, geek culture has taken over the mainstream. Um, it doesn't say how they got Bill to agree to do this, but I guess, you know, for his agent, it was enough exposure enough fans were lined up to see him and they had the money of course well yeah it is their 40th anniversary um somewhere in this article this guy um said it's definitely more fun than going to a professional convention and i would say yes i would think so i always had more fun at you know uh friscon and stuff than i did at the creation cons so that, that's super cool. So I hope we'll see some good reports about what he's going to do. I think it says he's doing a couple of talks and uh, um, 
an autograph session. Oh, so wow. he'll, he'll be doing stuff. Yeah. Maybe he'll tell some different stories this time around. <laughs> yeah. Oh. July sixth. So, wow. Yeah. In uh, Maryland, Baltimore. Area. Same 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 hotel as always. That is very exciting. And and yeah. I say congratulations to them for forty years and for getting the biggest the biggest get of them all. Yeah. That's fantastic. That is great. Okay. So um, speaking of Star Trek conventions, and I'm going to put that in quotes, here was a good article um, that's in uh, the Kelowna News, which I believe is in Iowa. And <laughs> this is about Trek Fest, which Yay! they're having in Riverside, as they always do. Mm-hmm. It's on June 29th and 30th. Oh, so and very, very soon. Very soon. It's Trek Fest 24. And no, it says are... it's 34. There's oh, three 34. Act- sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't read that. Get up on your X's. Roman numerals, woman. Oh, it got, it got me confused. One of this hi- the year's highlights will be Star Trek historians John and Maria Tenuto, which is awesome. I think that's uh, great. I think they're going to have such a good time, and people are going to be so eager and pleased to hear what they have to say. They're such good speakers, mm-hmm. and they always talk on just wonderful topics. The titles of um, of the one thing is Thriving on Limitations, The Making of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and that's a great way to approach that. I've, you know, Well, you know, that is one of my things, is that you know, mm-hmm. having these limits, you've got to work with what you've got. For me and for, for many people, always, um, you know, perks up your creativity it always spurs it you know i think yeah it's it's great Uh, it says that they're going to have a multimedia presentation includes more than 100 rare and never before seen photos to paint the incredible picture of a company of actors and artists whose talents combine to create the legendary film um, on the podcast, I talked about seeing him do a, a kind of a similar thing for Star Trek IV when he was at a, a con here in uh, the Bay Area. And of mm-hmm. course, the Star Trek IV takes place in the Bay Area. And it was such a good talk. He showed all these great pictures and he cited all these newspaper articles that had appeared here at the time that had little tidbits that didn't quite get into other places. It was just fascinating. And I yeah. heard stuff that I had never heard before. So his talks and their talks are just wonderful. Well, I just say what a week for star trek conventions mm-hmm. wouldn't it have been fabulous to be able to just take the time off <laughs> you know do the iowa convention then you know like come back here to chicago kick back for a few days then tootle off to maryland and i know we could have put ticonderoga there to kick it all off right you know, right that. yeah yeah there's so much star trek so much star trek but, which is um, good it's awesome. Well, um, let's let's do one more newsy item that's also about Star Trek. Okay. Which is so very exciting. Um, it was announced in the paper that one of the producers of Star Trek Discovery, Alex Kurtzman, he signed a deal with CBS that could result in multiple new additions to the franchise. So here is what supposedly is going to be coming. A series set at Starfleet Academy. Um, no more details on that, but that could be very interesting. A limited series whose plot details are being kept under wraps. Thanks a lot. Uh, a limited series based around the Wrath of Khan story. So who knows what that could mean? Like, are they going to show the eugenics wars or something? That could be very interesting. Mm-hmm. And then um, an animated series whose plot details are being kept under wraps. And I wonder if that if they're reviving that concept that I think we talked about in the, the last show where it was um, 
they had actually shown some character designs and that mm-hmm. had been something that they were thinking about before they got uh, discovery rebooted. Right. So maybe they're bringing that back. So that's amazing. Like all of a sudden four new things and potentially more than that, that they're just like, okay, green light, let's do some more star Trek stuff. Well, I just hope that it's not going to be overkill mm-hmm. where, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, where you're going, oh, my God, there's like five Star Trek shows on now, and I have to keep up with all of them. Well, no, I can only watch these two or, you know, whatever. If You know, mm-hmm. they're going to have to battle it out and, you know, knock a couple off or something. Um, the one I'm least interested in is the Starfleet Academy mm-hmm. because I think it's going to be like um, Riverside – and, you know, the Archie and Veronica. And, I mean, all the things they do with the, the young people shows now, you know, where it's mm-hmm. kids that age. It's just going to be all angst and drama and their personal <laughs> relationships. And so. Well, but you know what? If it's Star Trek and there's a big audience for that and it draws more people into the Star Trek universe, that's not a bad strategy if that's the strategy. Yeah, for that. I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. So even if we don't end up watching it, if they make it and it, it hits a certain demographic who enjoy it and it brings something, I don't I don't think that could be a bad thing. Like with an animated series, like that they're clearly making an animated series for some section of the this fandom or just yes. animation fandom who's not maybe really into Star Trek and if that brings them in, that could be very cool. Yeah. I guess I'm all for more Star Trek than less Star Trek. And even if they make shitty things that, that fail, at least they're doing stuff with it and not just hoarding what's there. Well, and it's kind of been proven, I think, by Enterprise that even if you make shitty stuff, it'll run for a couple seasons. <laughs> it will. There will be people who will watch it and will go to the conventions and will like write fanfic for it and everything. The whole thing, yeah. There'll be, there'll be something out there for them. This is so. true. Um, now, one other thing that we didn't put on the list, um, but I forgot to talk about this before, is that they have released a sort of trailer for Discovery Season 2, mm-hmm. um, which showed some of the new uniforms, which are back into TOS colors. They're very interesting. And um, yeah, they and there's a little tiny, just a shot of the dude who's playing um, Christopher Pike in there. And there, it's, it's more like backstage stuff where they're showing how they're building Uh, some of the props and what the sets are going to look like and all that. But the uniforms, I think everybody was quite happy about like, Ooh, going back to the original colors. Yeah. Well, going back to more Star Trek Mm. series, if you skim for or scroll further down in that article, it talks about the rumored possibility of Patrick Stewart Mm. Mm -hmm. making an appearance on discovery. And that, (laughs) Uh, they're saying I mean that's one rumor is Patrick Stewart the other is that he's going to reprise his role as Jean-Luc Picard Mm. and (laughs) maybe maybe I'm sorry I forgot to to bring this article to your attention but there was one about well here's like four or five different ways they could do it and one was so convoluted it involved (laughs) Sarek's Katra enabling Jean-Luc to travel through space and time or something. It was so bizarre. Oh, 
don't do that. I know. Oh no. Maybe he could just be the voice of the computer or something. Oh, that would be all right. That maybe he could be like a hologram somewhere. That that you know. Yeah. Help me, help me, Obi Wan. You're my only hope. That that would be all right. (laughs) Turn that damn thing off. Yeah. (laughs) But is is he done with Star Trek? I mean, I I haven't read any interviews with him where he said definitively, like, no, I will not do any more Star Trek. Or yeah, I'd be happy to do more Star Trek. Do you know? Well, he recently said, and I don't know where he was, but um, somebody brought up Star Trek apparently, and he said, I may have something big to say about that soon. Huh. Okay. The other thing that's interesting is um, he was interviewed in an article about the work drawing up for actors when you hit a certain age. And, and he was saying, um, yeah, after he, you know, I don't know, quit being Magneto or whatever he was, he says it's, it's like nothing. Mm. So... Interesting. Well, I I think he he and people like um, Ian McKellen, to a certain extent, have the luxury of being able to create things for themselves. Like Patrick Stewart had that cable series that was on that I can't even remember what it's called, where he was like an obnoxious talk show host. Oh yeah, which supposed to be very good. Um, but you know he made that happen. Nobody offered that to him. Mm -hmm. I don't think. I believe he was a driving force behind it. So right. Yeah, you know, it's nice for them if they are able to bring things to life that they really want to be in. But it's like, well, frankly, it's like roles for older women, of which there are fewer than roles for older men. At least if you're an older man, you know, and they want you in the movie, then you get paired up with some 20-year-old girl, right? Older for women happens much earlier than it does for men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking of which, just as an aside, some I saw this tweet and I had to verify, but it's true. So Sunset Boulevard, right? Yeah. Great movie. Norma Desmond. Do you know how old Norma Desmond is supposed to be in that movie? Well, she was in silence and the movie was in the 50s. 50 years old? Yes. She's supposed to be 50 years old. And, And the whole thing is built around her as this sort of ancient creaking like so out of her element she's 50 that's not even old that's i know like i know but it was Crazy. then and you know the scenes where she has her her friends including buster keaton you know over to play yeah. cards the whole idea is that they're relics yeah just so old and to me that's like oh they must be 90 and then when i was like oh my god she's only supposed to be 50 that's crazy did you see amy schumer's sketch a couple years ago about julia louis dreyfus's last fuckable day yes i did oh my god was that right on the mark or what Uh uh-huh that's the way it is absolutely the way it is so it's nice when you do get to see characters cast that way i was just thinking when you were talking about boston legal Mm -hmm. how I know I rhapsodized about this at the time, but seeing Candace Bergen in that role mm-hmm. was so good. Like, oh man, she was great and she was older. Mm-hmm. Like, like looking at her, you could see she was older. Like she wasn't 50, right? Mm-hmm. Like she looked like she's more like 70. And they didn't try to hide it and they didn't use Vaseline lens on her. Yeah. And, and yet she was like treated just like, any other woman people respected her and james bader had a crush on her and yeah it it was it was fantastic i just i loved that i wish they had women like that in every show all the time yes and she was tough without being a cold bitch Mm -hmm. and you know she was she was not a granny type or no not in the least bit motherly 
no, not at all. Mm-hmm. No, she was just her character. It was wonderful. So, yep. <sighs> anyhow. Um, okay, good. We talked about all those things. Well, there are still many more newsy things to talk about. So I think we should take a little break. Okay. And then come back with more stuff. All righty. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. Okay, let's go. We're back. We are back. Uh, talking about Discovery, because we're very excited about Discovery. It's yes. a show that we like. You know, it's really weird how many people hate Discovery. I don't get that. Yeah, um, well. But whatever. They will. People will like what they like. Um, we didn't mention this in our previous Discovery uh, talk, but apparently two of the showrunners for Discovery were fired because they were abusing all the writers. <laughs> and I was surprised by that because I wasn't aware that – um, abusing writers in Hollywood was, first of all, newsworthy. Second of all, a fireable offense. <laughs> really? It's more like business as usual. Well, yeah. Um, and I mean, there's, you know, you can go all the way back to F. Scott Fitzgerald and even earlier, all the playwrights who went out there and were like, oh my God, they've destroyed me. So, yeah. <laughs> so what that makes me think is that they were pretty bad. They must <laughs> you know, have been if, like if was, really bad. Yeah. Really bad. If it was bad enough to get them fired, it must have been pretty fucking awful. <laughs> uh, so the two people were uh, Gretchen Berg and Aaron Harberts. Um, let's see. According to an exclusive in the Hollywood Reporter, uh, they ran into budgetary issues with season two. No kidding. Mm-hmm. And allegations of staff mistreatment. The two are longtime co- collaborators with Discovery's original showrunner, Brian Fuller. Sources say that the decision to oust Berg and Harberts were based not on the creative, but instead for leadership and operational issues. Mm. They had become increasingly abusive to the Discovery writing staff, uh, with Harbert said to have leaned across the writer's table while shouting an expletive at a member of the show staff. Doesn't say what that was. Oh. I think this the next bit is probably a little bit worse for them. Multiple writers are said to have been uncomfortable working on the series and had threatened to file a complaint with human resources or quit the series altogether. After hearing rumors of HR complaints, Harberts is said to have threatened the staff to keep concerns with the production and internal matter. <laughs> that's so, yeah, the way that's, to that's handle really that. <laughs> exactly. People are going to complain, threaten them about your behavior. Yes. Chris. Yeah. So maybe that was why they got fired. <laughs> so... Um, Kurtzman, as we were just talking about, he's the guy who just signed that deal with CBS to bring some other things to light. Uh, and they've promoted uh, Akiva or Akiva Goldman's Goldsman from production. So he's going to be taking over a lot of the show running. So interesting. Um, I've never you know, heard of Goldsman uh, before. Yeah, uh, he's been associated with the show. Okay, um, He's a producer. He's had some issues, but we'll just have to see how it goes. We don't know. Yeah. So all, all all the drama all the time happening. Yes, it is. 
we will be on top of this and seeing more as it happens in case anything else comes up. Maybe they'll get rid of that Sarek. <laughs> Do you think they'll kill him? <laughs> no, but I mean, <laughs> send him off on a mission or something, you know. They should. You know, Journey to Babel was on the other night, and I watched most of the last half of it. Uh-huh. That's a really good episode. And also, Mark Leonard is so good <sighs> as Sark. He's just the best Sark that there could possibly be. Well, I know, but I'm, I'm telling you, first of all, this Sark is badly written. You know, the stuff mm-hmm. they have, you know, got him doing and saying is just totally out of character. But also, I'm sorry, I can't get past the Phil Dunphy thing, that he looks exactly like him. Uh, uh-huh. Well. I mean, that's my they, thing. I haven't heard anybody else bring it's it It's true. It might, be, it might be your thing. I hope they give him some different clothes next season and he doesn't look so much like Elrond. But we'll have to, <laughs> have to see. I'll have to see. I haven't heard any other news about Discovery. I don't even know when the next season is supposed to be starting. I think it's at the end of the year, but I could be wrong about that. Anyway, uh, more Star Trek stuff because there's just so much Star Trek stuff. There is. There are some new books that we'll probably end up getting. And one of them is called I Am Captain Kirk. And... (laughs) It's a little golden book. I love little golden books. And this one just looks so delightful. What an idea. It looks so wonderful. And like you were saying, well, we may have to get it. Well, I may have to get two because one (laughs) is definitely going to my little nephews. (laughs) They are at the perfect age. And I don't know what the plant is behind Captain Kirk on the cover, but I love it. I love it that it's so got, Kirk. like, beard stubble, you know, like cartoon mm-hmm. beard stubble. It, it's – there's so much good about this. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's Kirk, so very cartoony Kirk, yes. standing in front of this, as you say, purple tentacle thing with beard stubble. Almost but doing jazz hands. He, almost doing jazz hands, and there's the Enterprise streaking by in the Yes. Mouth. But it's so Kirk because it looks like this plant might try to attack him. Uh-huh. But – He's sort of looking up and he's grinning and he looks like he is having the best time of anybody in the entire universe. Yep. I love it. It doesn't really look like William Shatner, but that's okay. That's that doesn't okay. Matter. It's actually a little more, the first time I saw it, I thought it was very Buzz Lightyear-ish. Mm, it is. I agree with you. It definitely has that feeling. It's a beautiful illustration. Like I would be happy to have that just in a little frame, that picture right there. <laughs> It says, uh, I Am Captain Kirk is a book written by Frank Barrios. There's also going to be one called I Am Mr. Spock, written by Elizabeth Schaefer. They're hardcover, 24-page illustrated publications meant for children under five years old. Good. Um, (laughs) Here's the description. So for the Kirk one, it's, whether making strange new discoveries at the farthest reaches of the galaxy or facing off against Klingons or other alien races, find out what makes Captain James T. Kirk the most famous starship captain ever. Star Trek fans of all ages will love this little action-packed golden book featuring Captain Kirk and the crew of the USS Enterprise from the classic TV series in a unique retro art style. I love it. I think it's going to be great, and the cover for it is just the best thing. And it's wonderful. It's according to this article, it's not available for pre-order yet, but um, its release date is January eighth. Okay. So it should come up for for pre-order. Yeah. Fairly could, soon. 
Yeah, I want one. Oh, so I cool. want it too. And like I said, you know, the little boys are getting something oh. from Aunt Patty. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other book that's being released that goes along with this in a way mm-hmm. is one and this is March 2019 release. Okay. Um, and it and it's by Dayton Ward, who is a very uh, he writes quite prolifically in the Star Trek universe and uh, is a very funny writer too. Um, his book is called Kirk Fu: An Introduction to the Final Frontier's Most Feared Martial Art. I agree. It's a combat manual illustrated by artist Christian Cornea, and it's through a publisher called Insight Editions. And it just looks amazing. Uh, the little excerpt here shows Kirk fighting Khan. It's very obviously Khan. Yes. And he, he's doing the double fist high out there. Which yes. I really yes. Like. It's like you hit him twice. <laughs> and and so it the, the panel on the left, it's a black and white line mm-hmm. drawing, shows him actually hitting Khan. And then on the right, it shows you how to do that move. Mm-hmm. So it's like you come at your opponent, you put your two hands together, you stamp your foot down at the same time that you hit him with your two fists, <laughs> and then you pose after you do it, which I really like. <laughs> it's awesome. I will read uh, the... <laughs> The blurb. Yes, it's wonderful. Uh, that's right, kids. Star Trek Kirk Fu, an introduction to the final frontier's most feared martial art, is part how-to and part loving tribute to the mighty Captain James Tiberius Kirk and the fighting moves that made him a Starfleet legend and a hero to so many a fan. Within the pages of Star Trek Kirk Fu, and in addition to standard quotes, punches, and karate chops, you'll also learn all about such classic moves as the double clutch, rolling thunder, and the Jimmy Wallbanger. <laughs> I'd start limbering up now if I were you. Absolutely. Accompanying my pithy descriptions and other text will be the stylings of artist Christian Cornea, who has worked for Inside Editions on various projects, including creating all kinds of awesome stuff. The book will feature color illustrations as well as black and white drawings that show how each move is executed. Oh, oh. I can't wait. I know. What a time to be a Star Trek fan. This is great. Such good stuff. And, you know, somebody pointed out on, on our Facebook page, um, and I think it was because I had posted a, a link to the uh, new figures where uh, one of them is Kirk and one of them is Picard, and yes. neither of them, in my opinion, really look it. Don't you think the Picard one looks like Victor Garber? I really think it does. Kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a younger version. Anyway, um, one, one of our readers had said, you know what, it's like 50 years later, and all the good stuff that they're releasing is based on original Star Trek. Why is that? And that was <laughs> our buddy Captain Hull. Oh, Captain Hull. said like, that, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's so, it's amazing. I think it's great and wonderful and all that. Mm-hmm. But I can't see them doing a little golden book about Picard yeah. or, you know, Janeway or something. They're, they're not going to do that. No. It has, to be, it has to be the original. Yeah. And the next thing we had to say was very much in the same vein, which is that uh, IDW, who <laughs> is a wonderful comic publisher, is teaming up Star Trek and Transformers in a comic and the way they're doing it is that they're using the animated Star Trek. I know. Which I think is a fa- fantastic decision. A really fantastic decision. Let's just take those, you know, characters from um, what, I guess 40 years ago when mm-hmm. they were doing it and let's just stick them into a comic book. It's great. Yes, yes. And that means um, Lieutenant Mares is going to be in mm-hmm. there too and she's going to be fighting some robots. They have the covers, I guess, of, of uh, or maybe just one cover, and it looks pretty good. You know, I'm not a huge Transformers fan, but I can see that this would be a pretty good pair-up mm-hmm. to take 
all spacey and that happening out in in the universe and in the cosmos. That's right. <laughs> wow. It's going to be uh, four issues. Mm-hmm. So it's so like a limited, limited, limited story. Yeah. Oh, here. The series will begin in the Star Trek universe, where the USS Enterprise answers a distress call on the edge of Klingon space, only to find a dilithium mine under attack from 20th century era jets and helicopters. Ooh. When a certain red truck shows up to lend a hand, however, Kirk and the crew discover there's more than meets the eye to their new vehicular friends and foes. Ooh, it's good. (laughs) I really like that on the cover of issue number one here, are these two separate issues? I guess they're variant covers. Anyway, one of them shows um, the Enterprise team sort of running toward the camera, and we've got Kirk in the middle, mm-hmm. Spock to his right, and then Uhura, and then to Kirk's left, we have Mares, and then we have McCoy. So three guys and two women on the cover, and I totally approve of that, yeah. because they could easily have not done that, and yes. I'm glad that they did it. Wow. I also like L- Lieutenant Mares's big kitty paws. <laughs> Her, just going to say, for her feet, that's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> yep, it's really good. So that should be coming in September. Yes. The first issue will be in there September. So um, I'm definitely going to grab that and I will report on it. <laughs> okay. It's just going to be a lot of fun. A whole lot of fun. Yep. Well, you know, they have, they've done like crossover comics before, oh. haven't they? With the... Oh, my God. Everything. Yeah. It's been Star Trek crossed over with X-Men, Star Trek crossed over with the Legion, which I, I have and have read several times. And yeah, anything that they can cross over Star Trek with, as long as they get the, the property for it, they'll cross it over. Yeah. Did they do Doctor Who? I thought they did. I believe they did. Yes, they did. Yeah. I remember that now. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Wow. wow. So yep. much Star Trek stuff. Well, um, I think that's all the, the Star Trek stuff. Well, no, I have, I, have, another... I have one. Oh, you do? Yeah, okay. I sent you the link. Oh, yeah, that thing. Please talk about that because that was super interesting. There, This was a, an article that, you know, showed up in wherever I am that Star Trek always finds me. And it's called The Largest Star Trek Publication Ever is Almost Impossible to Find. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but this uh, person who wrote the article said, um, they, they, I thought, oh, they're talking about, you know, what, the, the chronology, the encyclopedia, you know, those things, both of which I have. And, you know, they're very comprehensive reference guides. But they say there was a gigantic work that eclipsed the encyclopedia in size and scope, which was only released in select markets. Yeah, like England. The official England. Star Trek fact files published by G.E. Fabry, was a collection of 304 magazines released from 1997 until 2002 in the U.K. Each issue consisted of 24 cards that could be sorted out and placed in binders. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find um, if there's like an example of what the facts were. Yeah, I didn't see that. There's some photographs of the binders, but I'm not seeing any pictures of the actual facts cards there's pictures of the magazine right it says if you managed to gather the whole thing you ended up with 7,296 pages of Star Trek info that's crazy that's that's amazing um and I, I like that in the article the guy who wrote this said that he 
you can buy them on eBay in the UK mm-hmm. and you can find all 304 issues for like less than a hundred pounds, mm-hmm. but to ship it costs $500. Oh my God. <laughs> because it weighs a hundred pounds. Wow. It says, has, you know, lovely illustrations and just amazing. Yeah. So it looks like, let's see. Um, oh, it says say it did have... make it into the U.S. in a much different style mm-hmm. uh, as Star Trek the magazine, not to be confused with Star Trek magazine, <laughs> in 1999. And that contained interviews and reviews and things like that. But boy, it's it's pretty amazing that they had this. I never heard about this before. I had never heard of it either. And that you and he even says that um, scans of fact files are spotty, so you can't even like find them. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you just wanted to see what they what they look like. Uh, he he kind of wrapped it up by saying it's very unclear who has the rights to this thing, whether it would be releasing it. I assume if they ever wanted to release it, it would not be in a print format. They mm-hmm. would just put it out on on DVD or something, so you could flip through it. Um, <laughs> I was reminded that. Uh, th- they, when they had Star Trek the magazine, um, our friend Miss Sunshine used to call it Star Trek the very, very expensive, expensive magazine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Capitalized, which was absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, Star, he says, Star Trek fact files have a bit of a reputation for inaccuracy. There's plenty of canon material within them, but there's also quite a bit of apocrypha. Uh, and I wish that he had cited some examples of yeah. that. I'd really like to know, like, what kind of stuff is in it? Well, um, do we have any British listeners who can maybe... Mm-hmm. Fill us in a little bit, maybe have seen this, maybe have, you know, parts of it or or anything you could tell us. We'd love to know more. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to ping our our friend uh, and interviewee, Mike Hall, because um, in addition to being the man who knows everything about Doctor Who, he also is a big Star Trek fan. Oh, okay. I know about this. (laughs) Actually, if anybody had this, it might be. (laughs) Wouldn't that be amazing? It would be. Well, I'm going to ask him and see what he has to say. Yes. Cool. All right. Yeah. Sorry. I almost forgot about that. And that was so super interesting. Right. This article is at uh, Sci-Fi Wire and everybody should read it. It's really good. And it's just so unusual to run across something like that that makes you and me both go, I've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. In 50 years of, of Trek, you know. Yeah. Like, and who put it together? Like, I, I want to know who actually wrote the things. Yeah. You know, who's they this have... Fabry publishing, you know? Yeah. Did, did, like, did they have a staff of writers who were really familiar with Star Trek or did they just, you know, get a bunch of hacks to do it? Where did the apocrypha come from? Did people just make stuff up? Or make shit up. The USS makes shit up. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, were they going to fan fiction or, you know, maybe some of the pocket books that had come out earlier? Yeah. Yeah. I would really like to know where they got the material from. What, What could it be? Who knows? Well, maybe we'll find out one day. That'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody tell us. We want to know. We want to know. Now, our last item on the list is not Star Trek related, but it was so amusing. This is something that just happened on Twitter a couple days ago, and it made me laugh really, really hard. And I thought we might have some opinions about this. So I will preface this by saying it's not clear whether this thing that I'm about to talk about is serious or a joke. I kind of think it's serious. There is a Twitter account called Remake the Last Jedi. And it says they're in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true. And they are starting a campaign to privately fund 
a remake of the Star Wars movie called The Last Jedi. So they are actively, well, they're soliciting pledges from people. No one's actually put up any money for this to just remake that movie to be the real version of that movie so that everyone can forget about the, as you know, the complete and total disaster that, that The Last Jedi was, you know, complete bomb, didn't make any money, everyone hated it, all the rest of that. Because they have the vision for what the real re version of that movie should be, and they're going to make it. Now, they haven't talked to Disney yet, so they have no rights to do this. I was going to say, they didn't we just go through this with <laughs> the Star Trek fan film? Oh, my God. So they don't have the rights. They don't have any writers. They don't have any anything to do this. They're just kind of pitching this. And yet their first tweet says, our team of producers, unnamed, is offering to cover the budget for a remake of The Last Jedi in order to save Star Wars. Now, the budget for The Last Jedi was $200 million. So I don't know who these people are who think they have $200 million to remake a Star Wars movie. <laughs> it's so weird. And if you look at the, the Twitter account, there are just streams and streams of tweets about why the, the movie, The Last Jedi, was the death knell for Star Wars and it was awful and everyone hated it and it was so unsuccessful and now it's going to torpedo the whole Star Wars franchise etc etc none of which is true by the way I'm I was going to say all... I don't follow Star Wars so is this true <laughs> no no none of that is true it was a hugely successful movie for them it made over a billion dollars it's still making money most people agreed it was a pretty darn good movie. I thought it was good. I liked it a lot. It it had a lot of character development. It had interesting things happening. It had a ending that had some mystery and definitely leads into whatever the next thing is going to be. Uh -huh. It was really good. <laughs> so it's just, it's crazy to me that these people, like, do they really think that they're going to be able to sit down with Disney and, and Disney's going to go to them, you know what, that last... Jedi movie, we did a bad job. We're going to let you remake it in the way that it should be made. <laughs> do they really think that that, like, yes. I don't know. I yes, don't know. they do. It's so weird. Oh, and also, the best part about this is that um, the way that they're going to write the script is by a committee. Oh, okay. Well, now yeah. I believe it will be fabulous. Yeah, it says, we will be consulting with Star Wars fans directly throughout the writing of the remake, um, as the plan is to make a version of this movie that is as close to universally accepted as possible. In fact, we want the writing team to be a diverse group of people that both loved and hated The Last Jedi, so we will have an inbox for story treatment submissions and actually hire people onto the writing team from what we receive. So this is your chance to write a Star Wars film. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, here's what they have to say about that. Iron sharpens iron, and the best writing comes from a group of people who have differing opinions but can con constructively work together for the best story possible. Not just one writer sitting in a room thinking whatever pops into their heads is the best idea. Because that's not how you write anything good, is a writer <laughs> sitting down and thinking about it. I guess. <laughs> I guess. It's very weird. I don't understand it. Um, the internet immediately set about mocking this in every way possible, which was pretty good. Um, but 
it's really unclear about what it means and what they're trying to do. Now, the funny thing is they have a website set up at, uh, I believe it's RemakeTheLastJedi.com. Let me just check that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) RemakeTheLastJedi.com, where you put in your email address and then you say how much you're going to pledge. And they're up to some ridiculous amount of money now, like $100 million, because you can basically go on there and say, your name is James T. Kirk and I pledge $3 million. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) There's no, there's no, in fact, I'm going to do that right now. (laughs) Let me go to the website but right wait, this moment. But be sure to specify that it's $100 million in Bitcoin. Oh, that is a really good point. That's your currency. Yeah. Oh, they're up to $140 million. Let's see. My email address. Um, what should I use? James Captain? T. Kirk. Oh, I'll use <laughs> James T. Kirk. We'll see if it goes through. James T. Kirk at uh, enterprise.com. <laughs> Select your pledge total. Um, oh, $10,000. How about that? That's the highest you can pledge. And you can't pledge like in Bitcoins or Quattles? No, no. It's just dollars. Let me try and submit that. Oh, it went through. Great. So now the total just went up by $10,000. Excellent. <laughs> oh, I love it. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? They also have on their website, I guess, if they ever intend to actually collect money, they have uh, rewards for it. Yeah. So, like, if you contribute $10, you get a ticket to see the remake in theaters. Um, if you contribute $500, you get a personalized lightsaber. Um, if you, yeah, if you donate uh, $100, you get to be an extra in the movie. So, you know, clearly they have a good idea of how movies are made. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, dear. So it's very weird to me that they would choose to do this. I guess, like, I'm wondering if they thought they could do it as fan fiction, you know, like, mm-hmm. we're going we're to be Axanar, we're going to do this thing, and then realize that there will never be, that will never happen because Disney is so famously, and, and Star Wars, Lucasfilms is so famously yes. litigious that they will never, ever allow that to happen. So now they're trying to say that they're actually going to go to Disney and Dis- they have a good shot at Disney giving them the rights to remake this particular Really? Movie. A good yeah. shot, eh? Yeah. Hmm. They, they seem to think they have a good shot at it. That's intriguing. <laughs> So it's it's very, very waiting for Guffman, isn't it? It is. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> wow. You just nailed it. You nailed it in one reference. That is exact. Oh, my God. Yes, because they're going to go to Broadway with oh. um, Blaine. <laughs> Blaine. The story of Blaine. Wow. Wow. Okay, thanks. My mind is just blown a little bit there because that's exactly... I was trying to think of a good comparison and that's exactly what this is. That's what it is. It's waiting for government. So, um, you know, people out there... Don't don't do that. Don't don't buy into that. That's kind of what fan fiction is for, you know? Yes. If you didn't like it, you can just write it yourself in a way that that you Mm -hmm. think is good. But don't think that you're going to be able to get the rights and and make a movie out of it because that's never going to (laughs) happen. Well, you know what else it's uh, it's reminding me of is the uh, Futurama episode where no fan has gone before. Yes, 
But in this case, you know, I mean, in the case of the episode, they're forcing the actors to do this. (laughs) Really? I was going to say, so what happens, like, they're going to get the rights to do this, right? Disney's going to let them do this. And then they're going to go around and all the actors are going to be like, you know, I was waiting for this to happen. Yes. I was in that movie and it was so bad and I was embarrassed. And I'm so glad that you group of professional people with a committee written script are going to (laughs) employ me, Mark Hamill in, in this wonderful remake. That's right. Yes. (laughs) Oh, and and, and we don't know much about the people who are setting this up, but I'm assuming like they're a group of dentists. (laughs) They could be. They could very well be. Isn't that the, the Eugene Levy's character? Isn't he a dentist in Waiting oh. for Guffman? Yes! Oh, my God! <laughs> oh, I, I hope and pray the director's name is Corky. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> that would be so good. Oh, my goodness. All right. It's well, that's called all Waiting to... for Obi-Wan. <laughs> oh, Waiting for Obi-Wan. I just had to let everybody know about that because it's just too weird. And oh. I'm very curious to see what happens. I'm assuming that whoever's behind it will either out themselves or be outed eventually. And we'll mm-hmm. know whether it is a big joke. I mean, if it is a joke, it's pretty funny. Yes. But it seems like there are an awful lot of people who are, are buying into it. Oh, that's sad. Very weird. Very, very weird. Oh, well, you know, fandom is a, a strange, wonderful place. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that does it for this particular episode of Look at His Butt, the show where we talk about Star Wars and Star Trek and mostly about William Shatner. Cause we and like presents. Him. And presents. <laughs> presents are good. But the presents are about William Shatner usually. That's true. So That's true. Oh, of... I cannot get over how beautiful those are. <laughs> good. I'm so glad you like them. Ah, so that's going to do it for us listeners. Uh, please continue to interact with us on our Facebook page because we love it. Um, if you go to see Bill with Wrath of Khan, please send us a report because we want to know how that went. And if you're going to any of these conventions that we've just been talking about, please let us know because we would love to know. Oh, we would love to know. Going. And also, if you have ever actually seen, touched, held, or owned the Star Trek fact files, yes. tell us, tell us, please tell, tell us because we want to know. Yes. So thank you all for listening. We, we appreciate you. We love you very much. And we will be back soon with another episode of our show. And until then, y'all live long in potluck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>